Just goes to show, don't take a piss with two minutes left of an episode of Dynamite. I'm Nick. With me as always, my brother Tony, and this is Toughering with Nick and Tony. Tony, what's going on? Yo, what's going on, everybody? Uh, you know what? Yeah, you miss uh, 30 seconds, a lot can happen. Kind of, uh, this show, I wasn't really that into it until the main event, but with the main event and the, the surprise ending, pretty awesome, actually, at least for that. Yeah, there, I, I like, there was a one women's match, the main event, and then what happened after the main event. Other than that, it was a very sloppily booked show, and some, I mean, some shit didn't make sense. The certain things were a let down, but we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, we're probably going to be more negative to this show. That's why I wanted to say right off, like, we like the, the ending a lot, and there are things we do like. And I think even a bad episode of Dynamite is good, uh, but this, they just try to throw too much into a show and none of it, a lot of it really, it didn't hit. Yeah, a lot of, like, lack of build um, on some things. Certain things just kind of came in and out just randomly. And certain things that should have had a build didn't, and things that shouldn't have had a build had way longer than they should have ever had when it passed their expiration date. Overall pretty gimmicky. All right, let's get into yep. it. Yeah, on commentary tonight, as per usual, we have JR, Tony, and Excalibur. And the first thing we start off with is the Tag Team Battle Royal. Uh, we have a shit ton of people in this one. We got Jurassic Express. We have Satana and Ortiz, Top Flight, Private Party, Silver and Reynolds, The Acclaimed, Sammy and Hager, The Young Bucks, MJF and Jericho. Uh, it was a pretty good match, pretty chaotic. Um, you know, a lot of people got their shit in. I normally don't like this many people in a battle in, in a in a tag team, but since it was a battle royal, I kind of I, I had a little bit more of a favorable opinion of it. It was a fun battle royal, nothing special. It was short and quick. It did need did what it needed to do. Um, like it would have been fine if this was the only big gimmicky match of the night. So I think it put all together. I kind of looked a little less highly on it as I did when it was happening. But it was still fun. There's a lot of really good spots. You got to see a lot of different people work together. And it did propel some storylines forward. Yep, absolutely. There was uh, three main rules of the match pretty much tonight, the way it was set up. That you know, Obviously, you go over the top rope, you're eliminated. Uh, if the Young Bucks won, then the Young Bucks would have been able to choose whoever was going to be going against them, their opponents for the tag team titles. And then, obviously, whoever wins opposite of the Young Bucks will go and face the Young Bucks. This is the number one contendership for the rest of the Right, teams. right. And we would, the, the assumption was that if the Young Bucks won, they would challenge the Good Brothers. Yep. Uh, and actually, we do get uh, a little bit of an appearance from the Good Brothers later on in the match. But uh, yeah, I thought it was good overall. Not too bad. Uh, you know, pretty decent. Yeah, the Good Brothers come out to fuck with uh, Private Party, which is a kind of a cool twist. Like, you know, they're, enti- they're involved in this like main event thing with Kenny and two companies. But they also, like, they're after Private Party, too. And I, yep. it just makes Private Party look really good. Well, I also thought you had a really good interplay between MJF and Jericho's team versus Sammy and Jake Hager's team, too. Another little you know, budding storyline between the inner circle, too, interwoven. Yeah, tonight was a big, like, 
probably the biggest step towards the fall of whatever this inner circle is. Um, I think now we're definitely headed down that road, and tonight was very indicative of that. You had some uh, crap, but I like the part where um, Jericho and uh, after they eliminated Nick, I think Jericho and MJF did the Young Bucks pose. Yep, that was pretty funny. Uh, they were really good together. The chemistry was good. Obviously, you have that whole story with Sammy and what's going to happen with that, um, and that came to fruition as what MJF got eliminated. So it was down to Sammy, Jericho, and like the top flight guy, right? Yep. And then Jericho, I think legitimately, accidentally eliminated, oh, kayfabe-wise, eliminated Sammy, but obviously Sammy smells a rat. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Um, and also, too, it's nice to see a drastic, a sort of Jungle Boy especially, getting the push tonight, you know, coming out with his own entrance. Um, you know, and some other teams got the entrance, but it's nice to see Jurassic Express being pushed a little bit further. And Jungle Boy especially, he needs to just be spun off into a singles uh, run. Well, I think he's going to stay with them, but he's going to be more and more of the focus of that. I think those two make really good sidekicks, so I don't think he really needs to lose them. I think Luchasaurus is a guy that I don't know if he's ever going to chase the world title. He could. They did something to tweak the character a little bit, but I think right now, like, he's just a good, you know, you don't really need to do a whole lot with Luchasaurus. Just have him on TV no, and no, have him no. with Jungle Boy and Marco, and it's, it's interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and I, I, I think, honestly, I'd like to see Jungle Boy do the single stuff and, and get some point, maybe win like the TNT title, but then still go back and do the tag team stuff when Luchasaurus needs him right. to. Or with them. He yeah. could be Rikishi, and Luchasaurus and Marco can be his too cool. Yeah, that'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah, Marco needs to learn how to do the worm, though, for sure. I bet you he can. Lance um, Archer can. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Um, And then, you know... um. Good brothers end up, you know, coming out as kind of like enforcer, you know, guys. And also, let's have to make note that uh, FTR was banned from ringside, right, right, uh, for this match. Uh, and then uh, for the finish, I'll just call that real quick. Uh, Jericho ends up winning with the Judas elbow. So MJF and uh, Jericho are gonna have the number one contendership to fight the Young Bucks for the tag team championships. Yep. Um, Santana Ortiz might as well not have even been that match. Yeah, I feel bad for them. They need to just get spun off the inner circle and just get put. Those guys are so interesting as a great heel tag team. They And they don't need to join another faction. Just let them go as a single tag team. Well, they've been teasing something with them on Dark. Like, oh, for sure. Them just being pissed off and kind of, you know... So this could play into what the segment we saw later on tonight. No, absolutely. And uh, you know, for first match, I thought it was a good start to the show. It was a fun battle royal. It was cool. It was real quick. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was only about maybe 15, like 20, 10 minutes. I think it was about 10 minutes. So not too bad. You know, plus, like with all, obviously, with all the introductions that they did, too. Because I think they had, like, four teams that were introduced. Yeah, right, right. Starting. So it wasn't that long. Uh, and then, unfortunately, the, the the show already starts to take a turn because then we get hit with a weird Jay Cargill, Jade Cargill promo video, which is essentially her just pumping iron. It was really odd. Yeah, let's get the Shaq thing out of the way, too, if we were going to bring it up later. I mean, yeah, yeah. who gives a shit about any of this? Just yeah. do it. Get it done. I'm not going to hold it against you too much, but I don't care about this. I wouldn't have cared about this if this was 97 in fucking WCW. I just I don't give a shit about Shaq. Um, yep. the whole idea that Shaq's funnier and entertaining on that TV show leaves out a really big factor in Charles fucking Barkley, who I think is actually the fun. If you play off him, you're going to be funny because you're involved in something with him and he's hilarious. He's like that asshole uncle, you know, the loudmouth uncle everyone has. Not the racist one, but the fun one, you know, that, well, I guess maybe in the black family, he'd be the racist one. I don't know. Uh -huh. I don't know if Chuck loves Whitey that much, but... <laughs> 
For sure. Or like hanging out with Will Ferrell, he just cracks everybody up. But it's just like, get this over with. Yeah, At least I mean, Brandy's not involved in it, too. I mean, to your point, yeah, there is something to be said for cross-promotion and promoting for TNT, but now they're starting to fucking overstep the line and get into that territory where it's starting to get fucking scary about how, how much energy and time they're putting into this feud with Jade Cargill and Cody and Shaq and all this shit. Like, yeah, it's just... Yeah, so anyway, so so moving on from that, we do get a little bit of a respite of shit. Uh, we got Tony Schiavone in the ring with Darby Allen, and then he talks with Sting. And of course, you know, before they even can get into anything, Taz is, comes out, our favorite person. Of course, you know, Taz was entertaining, but this, again, there was not a whole lot to this. There was some good, between Ricky Starks and Sting, there was some funny stuff there. Yep. And I wouldn't mind to see the, seeing those two work together, actually. Yeah, and then Team Team Taz wasn't even allowed in the building because they beat the shit out of the merchandise people last week. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I wish there was a little bit, a little bit more. But then you know, Sting did kind of make the threat to Ricky Starks of, "Hey, if you want to talk shit, come see me." So we'll see what happens with that. But how far can that go? Because you know, Sting cannot be doing too much physical. Right, activity. Ricky's funny enough that they can do some stuff to kind of put him over as a heel, possibly. Which would be great. Um. I mean, with this, they're kind of they're ready for revolution with this match. Like, there's not a whole because Sting yeah. is going to do a whole lot of physical stuff. There's only so much build you're going to put into it. You're not going to beat him down and put him through a table before it. So they're kind of where they need to be for revolution. So it's just like keeping people reminded that this is happening. They don't really doing a whole lot. They don't really need to push it forward anymore. It's kind of ready. Yep. No, I agree. Uh, and then moving on from that, we had a quick little uh, teaser video of uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, you know, pretty much teasing the next match that comes up, which is Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker. And I thought this was one of the shining stars of the night. Um, you know, it was a, and it was a nice long match, too. What? It was actually a good match where he, he gave the women enough time to actually tell a story. Now, I wish there was more of an actual storyline going on around this. But, you know, again, they've been building it for a couple weeks. And, it's and the good. fact that Britt's an asshole is usually good enough. You could kind of get on with that. And she did. She said it goes back. She cost on the Rosa, I think, the NWA women's title, though. Yeah. Well, and, and in a lot of ways, the match did speak for itself, you know, because they did tell a great story, yeah. I think, in this match. So, yeah, it was, it was a nice, you know, long, I think I'd say 10, 15 minute match. It was good. Britt Brit needed a major match like that with a real wrestler that she can kind of go the distance with. A lot of the, like on Dark, she'll, you know, have a decent match with like a preliminary person, or she'll take a beat him mid Carter kind of easy. But they have, like, show her stuff against someone like Thunder Rosa, and they gave him a few minutes on Dynamite. Yeah, it was great. And she got the win. Yeah. That, um, I mean, she needed it. Rosa really didn't, so it was smart booking there. Yeah, you know, there was a spot where uh, uh, Britt and Thunder Rosa were distracted, and so is the ref. So Reba comes out. She ends up ripping off the middle turnbuckle cover so that it's exposed. Uh, and then uh, I think Britt ends up reversing a move on Thunder Rosa. Sends Thunder Rosa headfirst into the exposed steel. Uh, Thunder Rosa is knocked out unconsciously, quote unquote, and Britt ends up applying the lockjaw. And since a Thunder Rosa can't tap out, once the move is actually applied, uh, Britt ends up getting the win. And like I said, to your point, Britt needed a win. And honestly, I it, w to what we were talking about earlier, Britt needs to have a goddamn title, a women's title uh, match with Sheeta. Get the title off Sheeta, put it on Britt, and and let's get this women's division going. Yeah, and cancel half of that fucking tournament. Right oh, now. we'll get there. Oh yeah, it it get yeah, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, it, it gets better tonight with the shit. Uh, 
But, you know, after that, we get a nice little video of Matt Hardy and Adam Page from last week where Matt Hardy allows Adam Page to dress in his dressing room because, well, Adam Page has just been, you know, downtrodden and just treaded on by a bunch of his peers. Right, you know, Matt Hardy's a good guy, and uh, he just wants to do the right thing, and that includes avenging eight-year-olds' birthday parties. So, you know, all around the, uh, uh, the whole gamut of goodness, that's what Money Matt is. He is. I mean, he is a, he's a philanthropist among men. He's, he's a full-on rapist. Yes, he's fantastic. So good. I mean, for, uh, for a wrestler that has so many personas, who would th think that Money Matt would be the one that everybody recommends he just stay with? Well, because it's such a basic so kind of persona, and you already kind of have MJF, who's sort of that. But it works. It, it totally works for him, because well, it's just... And he's accomplished a bunch of shit. He's a legend. So that bravado behind talking yeah. a bunch of shit and being confident is actually backed up. You know, like, he's the only person right now who actively has an action figure with AEW, but, TNA, and fucking WWE. But that's the thing. As much as, like, he is a legend, definitely. It would be to help. But at the same time, it's like... He's not John Cena, no, but he no, thinks no. he's on yeah. that level. So it gives him he that, thinks he's bigger than Edge. You it know? gives him that like two-bit hustler street cred because he's not, you know, full-on, you know, the AAA. No, he's like, you know, mid-card, you know, mid upper mid-card, whatever. Like Hall of Famer at that level or tag sure. team, but yeah, like it ain't, you know, yeah, not Stone Cold or Rock level. And of course that plays nicely into the next match, which is Adam Page and Matt Hardy. And Adam Page swears up and down that they're only going to team together once. And that he doesn't want to join another tag team. He doesn't want to sign any carny contracts or anything like that. So it was Matt Hardy and Page versus Chaos Project. Yeah, there was a... And, you know, Matt Hardy also threw in the line, like, you know, I know what half of the Dark Order did to you. I'm trying to cheer you, like... And that kind of made him jump right away, like, you know, like, uh, this is your way to make it up to the... Or that's, this is a way to make it up to the Dark Order, you know, what you did to them. Yep. And that kind of hooked Paige a little bit into this. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, using that to manipulate him. Just total manipulation. Great. So good, too. So good. And it's passive-aggressive manipulation because Paige is a little sensitive, a little moody, a little brooding. Uh, yeah, good shit. So, uh, obviously, Paige ends up winning with, you know, Matt Hardy. Yay, we'll see what happens and what comes of this. They took on Chaos Express, uh, the Chaos Project, right? Yep, Chaos yeah. Project, yeah. <laughs> Didn't even mention them for reason. But, I mean, they're fine. I like how Luther uses uh, Serpentico as a weapon. Yeah, then we get hit with another dose of really terrible news, almost on the scale of Jade Cargill, and in some ways, maybe worse. We get the reveal of the AEW Women's Tag or women's Tournament. Um yeah, this one, this, at first when we heard it, we thought this was going to be great because we thought, oh, cool, all AEW, you know, talent, um, you know, it's going to be a great way to showcase the women, you know, they, you know, give them another way and also give somebody the opportunity to go against, you know, Sheeta and get a title shot, which would be sweet. But no, they end up doing some weird wonky fucking bullshit, as Jim Cornette would say, and, uh... Nick, it's like, what is this? It's half Japanese, it's half American, and even on the American side, there's multiple... You know, it's just like a Japanese takeover, almost. It's all right. So, yeah, like you were saying, there are so many women on Dark right now that could use some sort of spotlight to show what they do. And we're going to get a couple of those. We're going to get, like, Anna Jay, Layla Hirsch, and Ty Conti. And, like, half of this tournament I'm okay with because it's the AEW wrestlers going yeah. for the number one contender. The issue is, that's just one bracket. That's one side. Uh, the other side is the Japanese side. And for some reason, it has a bunch of wrestlers 
that A, A, I've never heard of before, or B, do not give a flying shit about at all. You have Aja Khan, you have, uh, what, all the all the Japanese women that left have yep. been gone, and it's been a lot better since they've been gone. They're getting their own side of the tournament. So no, more, no matter what the finals are, we're going to have a wrestler we don't give a shit about. And there's a good possibility that we could end up with Riho versus Emi Sakura as the fucking finals of this. And I would stop watching AEW if they fucking did it. I don't want it anymore. I really don't even want Rio back, to be honest. I think the women's division has been a lot better. Um, if you're going to have a wrestler prominent that can't really build a character because of language barriers, Sheeta is more than enough. We don't need 20 more of them. God, I so don't care about this. I know this is a... I understood, I could understand this is because Rio couldn't travel and had to be in Japan, but obviously Rio's on the American side, so she's coming back. So who's going to win that bracket? Who do we, maybe they're building one of them, but I have no interest in this. And I don't, I love the women's division. There's a lot of great things. I watch eight women's matches a week on Dark. I watch the full Dark show for them. This, I, no, I'm not into it. Hopefully... It's just whoever wins the the American side crushes whoever wins the Japanese side. We don't pay too much attention to that. And we could go on. I mean, but the bottom line is it should be Brit Rashida. I don't... Yeah, no, I mean, I, it has nothing to do with the fact that they're Japanese talent as to why we hate this. It's just the fact of the matter is that since day one, they've been trying to shove Japanese talent down our throat. And the problem is, is in wrestling... When you don't introduce anybody, when and especially too when you can't speak the same language to cut a, it's even harder, right? But they're not giving them a chance, and they're not they're not giving them a chance. They're not giving them an American manager or a mouthpiece to speak for them or to build them up. There's no build up. This Mm -hmm. shit comes out of night, fly by night bullshit that doesn't make any sense to us at least as the viewers and to anybody who's watching this who's not a wrestling fan. You know, if they're trying to attract new casual audience, this is not going to do it, and this is not going to work. And the fact of the matter is. None of these women on the Japanese side, we've, again, to Nick's point, we've never heard of them. They've never had any interactions with anybody on the AEW talent. Except Aja Kong, Emi Sakura, and the little yeah, this, Dora and the Explorer girl. The problem also, too, is after this, this isn't going to fucking matter, a half of this tournament, because these ladies are just going to go back to Japan anyways to their respective promotions that they already work for. I understand that they're trying to work in some cross-promotion shit, but you need to actually have a women's division to sustain such, yeah. a, such an angle as that. Otherwise, it is random, stupid bullshit that makes no sense. I don't know why they're doing it. I don't know what favors they owe to who. But yeah, I'm pissed too because there are so many great ladies on the AEW roster that are official talent that are signed that get zero time. And this would be a great way to showcase them and introduce them to people. Thus, I don't know, building a fucking foundation for something you can build upon in the future. I, you know, But we'll see how this goes. But I'm with you, Nick. If, if they end up going ham on this, then I'm fucking done. I'll just listen to it through the reviewers. Get a time machine <laughs> and take this match and put it on Fighter Fest 2019 yeah, or whatever. Exactly. But this is a, a step back. It's just not. And that's like what they did like with Rio. They ruined Rio. Rio could be over. Yes. As she is, if they just would have built her as a fucking, you know, like the underdog slowly rising up. But they put the title on her first. It ruined that whole thing. Like, it just, like I said, just let's get through this. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And luckily, after this horrid announcement, we get a little bit of a uh, saving grace. We get uh, Alex Marvez uh, waiting him back for Jericho and MJF to come out. MJF and Jericho blow past Alex Marvez, go straight into the dressing room with the rest of the inner circle, and they're like, hey guys, this is awesome. We won the tag. You know, we're, we're our number one contenders. All of the inner circle is, and Sammy ends up stepping up, and he's like, no, you guys are the, well, one the other guys aren't excited too when they walk in all excited. Like no, they're yeah. definitely not feeling part of the room is dead. Right. Santana and Ortiz are beyond livid. And yeah, so Sammy and uh so what happened? Like Sammy and Jericho kind of got into a little bit, then they both left the room. Yeah. Why did yeah. they leave the room? Uh yeah, they they essentially like the rest of the group kind of shot him down, and then yeah, then Jericho and I think Sam. Yeah, because then uh, yep. MJ's like, "Hey guys, we gotta talk," and he goes and has Wardlow. He's like, "Wardlow, take care of that point of the camera guy." Yeah, and the camera gets kicked out, so we don't know what's said yet, but I'm sure we'll find out eventually. This is obviously a major thing for what's going on with the inner circle. So it's good to see this finally coming somewhere. Who knows exactly what's gonna happen? It's like you think you know what's gonna happen, and it probably will. But they just zigzag around enough that it yeah. makes it exciting, and you're like, all right, what the fuck? And, uh, yeah, I mean, I like this storyline. I can't wait to see where it goes. Yep, no, you, you, I mean, you got to have a little bit of mystery. You have to have, know what's going on. So, yeah, I'm happy to, to follow this and see what happens next. Uh, after that, we end up getting a nice little Tony Schiavone interview. We're talking to Kip Sabian about getting married, teasing the next segment to come up, which is the wedding, which, in our opinion... Way too much buildup, and it was pretty much shit. It was not good at all. It so. wasn't a terrible segment if it would have been just promoted last week for this week, and it's just one more part of their feud with the best friends, because that's all. It just seemed like a lead-up, a one-week thing to put on that reel to the build-up to the pay-per-view match against the best friends. Unfortunately, this is something they teased for, like, six months now. And, um, yeah, when you... When you paint yourself into a corner like that, you're just going to disappoint. Especially when, you know, like, weddings can be so crazy in wrestling. And I think there was some craziness, but they, they're like, we're not going to make it super insane. We're not going to try to reinvent the wheel with this. And I think that was a good idea, but at the same time, it was like a six-month storyline that really meant fucking nothing. Yeah, and the problem, and the thing that I think we touched on earlier, too, is that wet, typically when you're using the story to device of a wedding in a wrestling angle, that usually is in the middle of an angle, right? Yeah, it, but it, a lot of times they're stupid, too. Let's well, be honest. Yeah. Most, of the, most of the wedding angles have not been good throughout wrestling history. Well, I'm thinking off the top of my head, obviously, you know, Macho Man's wedding and Triple H and Stephanie's wedding. Those are really the only two. Yeah. You know, just for that point of just, they, they were in the middle of the feud that was right. the greater. Right, exactly. And it served the purpose to create more to that. However, in this instance, the entire story was the wedding and the destination that they were going was this, you know, the wedding and then the match after. And yeah, to your point, it was just way too much buildup for just a lackluster execution. Uh, and let's not forget, though, I mean, first of all, I know this don't matter to you because you don't really know him. But as the older wrestling fan yep. that knows what's going on here, I mean, goddamn fucking the Sinister Minister being there was pretty... I, I'll give it points just for Sinister Minister alone because... He's another one like Don Callis, who I love going back into the 90s. They were a bit player, but they made it, they made an impact. If you don't know, he was a manager of Wrath and Mortis in WCW. And then he managed Mikey Rip Wreck and Tajiri in ECW. And they were actually really good. That was a really good combination. So just, if you're going to have a minister or a priest, they had the sinister minister. And he said some uh, 
He had some double entendres and stuff. It was pretty funny. Miro does make the perfect, you know, Euro creep. Um, and that was all good. But yeah, like, another gimmick bullshit in a two-hour Dynamite show that doesn't need gimmicky bullshit that just fell flat and it bring they all bring each other down. Yeah, I mean, Miro has so much potential just being him and doing his weird Euro trash, you know, Russian oligarch crazy, you know, just fun-loving character until it snaps and breaks your neck. You know, but yeah, again, he has way too many things tying him down, and you know, it, you can only do the stupid shit for so long until that just wears thin, and we just get tired of seeing it. So I hope they change. You know, I hope they spin Miro off and just have Miro do his, do own, his thing. own thing. Yeah. You know? Listen, I don't even watch. I love the Sammy vlog. I never watch the Sammy and Kip fucking vlog. So I don't know if that says anything, but yeah, yeah and Kip's and his segments on BT lately have been the worst with this Leva Bates thing. Oh uh, yeah, terrible. Yeah, that's fucking horrible. It's not even fun. Or it's, yeah, and not, yeah, not good. Not not good at all. Um, and then we get... Uh, Penelope looked awesome. Yeah, she did. She looked amazing. She, she yeah. Woo. Yeah, and yeah, I think Tony got a little bit flustered. Yeah, Tony did. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, essentially, so it really, what they end up giving their vows. Uh, Penelope and Kip write their own vows. Miro ends up making a toast. He ends up getting glued to the mat or stuck to the floor. Chained. I think they chained. Chuck chained him up. That's right. He wasn't looking. Yeah, so you know, Charles the butler ended up exacting revenge, and then Cassidy pops out of a cake. Which I called from the very beginning. Yep, you did. That was awesome. Uh, and then next, we end up getting... Uh, who ends up going next? Uh, there's, uh, I guess, yeah. Oh, yeah, Shaq ends up talking shit, and there, uh, it was dumb. Yeah, we was covered stupid. that next. Yep, next uh, Next was the third match of the night, which was good. Uh, Archer versus Eddie Kingston. It was a no-DQ disc- uh, lumberjack match. It was good, but it was over-fucking-booked. Yep. Uh, really sloppy with the lumberjacks. It wasn't a good lumberjack match at all, but I mean, few nope. are... Um, just so sloppy. Lance got the win back, so it's like 50-50 booking. And I normally don't harp on them for that, but I knew that was going to happen before this match even started. Both of them are really good in the ring together. I obviously love both of them. And good, Lance needs a big win. He's even more a baby. He's obviously a baby face now. They need to keep that because he could be a big star. This is, I don't know if there's going to be a third match between him and Eddie. There could be. Um... But tonight, with everything else that was going on, we did not need a fucking lumberjack match. No, not at all. Like, way too much. They just throw a bunch of bullshit. I don't know what it is with all these, like... I know they try to get people in, but if you... Like, I'd rather have less people appear on the show and have them appear more gracefully. And it's like a five-hour mania. Yeah. Everything is... St- <laughs> yeah, it's like, what the fuck? Um, and then, of course, Archer wins with the blackout, which is cool. Uh, then after that, we, which I mean, I guess, whatever. I mean, I, I didn't care for the match. I agree with you, Nick, on that. FTR and Tully do a promo, and I had an issue with this promo because when the fuck did Tully and FTR become whiny bitches? Like, I want them to, like, just cause violence and start beating people down behind the scenes and stuff. Like, I want to see them be well, more rabid. But they were banned or suspended, they so were, they, they kind were, of already, yeah, they like, you know. But I just want to see them booked better. I just, I don't know. I, yeah, they've been kind of sending them off to the side because they know they can bring them in, and they don't have to do a whole lot with them to get true. to set up a match. People are going to be into it. So, I mean, I agree, though. We need, need more with be, them. I want to be invested in them but more. You know? They're going to dominate the whole division when they're on top. So, and it will happen again. So, it's like it's getting the rest of the division time to breathe. We know they're there. But I agree. I agree with you totally. Yeah, just I want to see I want to see him doing more. I want to see Tully do more dastardly shit. You know? I want to see them like where they were in two thousand sixteen, whatever it was. Yeah, and they're just dominating. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, and then next we get I you know like we were saying uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa match was really good. The um you know beginning match was an honorable mention, but this other match the the main event that comes up is another great match of, of the night. I thought or at least nothing the, was horrible. It was just like nothing was yeah, that great. Either. Right, nothing yeah. stood out. Yeah, it was like a really. I, no, I don't even want to do it to that. I was gonna say a really awesome episode of Thunder, but those don't exist. So well, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't even know what that even. But uh, I've been reading a lot. Like of worse than a really good episode of Dark, I guess. It's like yeah, you don't want to call it a super dark. So yeah, that's true. Uh, no, it was better than a super dark, but it wasn't. It this wasn't was supposed to be like a pay per view. Th- this was supposed to be like winter is beach coming. Bash or whatever. The right. Happened. Although when we get to the end, although I don't know the the end though is pretty not pretty awesome. It is. It is. Um, it makes us you know less upset about the rest of the night. Uh, we get Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus Moxley and Pac with Phoenix. This is a great match. You get to see what they do. Pac and Phoenix actually work with Moxley a lot. Yep. Pac, uh, Phoenix carries a lot of this match. Really fucking impressive when he's in the ring with guys that aren't high flyers and he's the one that stands out as the high flyer with grounded pound guys. Um, yeah, man. I, this was a good fucking solid match. I think we said it tonight, and, and this match is another example of Phoenix just being one of the best luchadors ever. He's up there. I mean, he generation. is the, probably maybe the ray of, of this period of time. There's a lot of great luchadors, but I think with some of the stuff he can do, uh, he definitely stands out. Yeah, I thought it was really awesome. Uh, and then uh, I think it was uh, the, with the ending of the match, uh, you know, uh, I think Anderson ends up getting pinned by Phoenix. So you have Moxley's team ends up going over Kenny Omega's team. Uh, and then Archer ends up coming out, and then he ends up clearing the ring, and then it's left to just Kenny Omega and John Moxley, and then all of a sudden Archer he, comes out. Yeah, he cleared. I the, missed he, that. He cleared everybody out. He he cleared everybody out of the ring, and then it was just down to Kenny Omega and Moxley, and then that's. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. That's right. When I went to go piss. Yeah, right. yeah. and then um, which we call it, and then yeah. So then Kenta ends up coming out from Japan. So explain who Kenta is, because right. I was unfamiliar as well. Kenta was a, a star, I don't know if it was in New Japan first, but he was a giant star in Japan. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily like New Japan or if it was like Noah or even, or something. But he was a protege of the legendary Kenta Kobashi, that's where he gets named Kenta. He was a huge star, then he signed to WWE around the same time as Kevin Owens and got sent to NXT when it was at its hottest. So everyone was expecting him to basically be the next giant star, even Triple H heralded him. He got hurt a couple times and uh, flushed out. He's also the inventor of the the GTS, CM Punk's finisher. But he never got to use it in NXT. Um, and he kind of, it almost killed his career. He went back to Japan. Once he got healthy, he started, uh, eventually turned, I think it might be more recently, he's in the Bullet Club now. But uh, I think like a year ago, he won a right to face Moxley for the, the U.S. Championship, which Moxley's held for over a year now because of COVID. But it, he pays no attention to COVID. He's calling Moxley a pussy, you know, acting like there's no COVID. And he's been calling him out for a while, so he shows up now. Um, there's so many big ramifications. One, it means New Japan's in this war. So now we have AEW, Impact, NWA, AAA, and New Japan all working together. Fucking crazy. Although, not that crazy since that's actually the origin of AEW is all in and that's where it started. Full circle. Um, we also have, obviously, there's going to be a great feud with Kenta. You have the inter-promotional thing with uh, Moxley and Kenta. Uh, but, 
most importantly, Kenny and the and the Good Brothers and the Bucks have been referred to as Bullet Club. They've been using the name. They've been doing all that stuff. And on BTE, they've been making a lot of jokes and kind of like dissing Tomatonga a lot. If you know anything about the Bullet Club, Tomatonga was an original member along with uh, Bad News Fale and uh, Finn Balor for the original Bullet Club. And then Finn Balor would leave. And that's where the J AJ Styles would be the leader. By then, you had the Young Bucks in it. You had Ganderson and Ellis also in it with those guys. And then Kenny was also kind of like the bottom guy of like the AJ time. And then Kenny leaves, and our AJ leaves, and Kenny becomes the guy. And that's kind of where the elite starts with the Bucks and that Kenny and stuff. Eventually, obviously, the elite starts overshadowing the Bullet Club itself. And when AEW starts, the storyline is the other Bullet Club, the Japanese Bullet Club, attacks them and throws them out. They leave and come to America for AEW. So it's been, now the Bullet Club is, they're still around. Tomatonga, I think Fale's still in it, but now you have like Jay White, who's a big up and coming star in New Japan, Kenta, and um, oh, Gato, who's the booker, I think, is also in New Japan. I think Evil or Sonata, who's another big star in, like, they're a huge, they're still a top Japanese faction. They're just not a Gaijin faction anymore, which is what they were when they started off with Balor and Gallows and all, up until AEW started. Um, they still have Jay White, he's from New Zealand. So this is the original, the real Bullet Club, kind of, now it's going to be at war with the popular Bullet Club. Like the guys that are known as, there's so many things in this feud, and with guys like Tomatonga involved, uh, who is, is he the son? I think he's the son of Mang, of Haku. So he's also part of that group, even though he's like 80 still. like He's the most scariest motherfucker there is. But uh, yeah, so this is awesome stuff. I mean, who knows? It just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. I'm waiting for ROH to get involved in this now, but we'll see. But this is yeah, awesome. So listen, this was not the best show. There's a really gimmicky, but... Once again, that main event was really good, and it had that pop of an ending. Yep, no, absolutely. So I don't, I, I give it a good and a bad. I don't know. Yeah, I give it like a C. <laughs> yeah, average. yeah, maybe the ending puts it over because I, because I know who Kenta is because I followed him. Yeah, and, as and, a and Bush, well, that's uh, thing. To that point, I have to say, Bush, as, yeah. as someone who hasn't followed that AEW, better fucking explain this shit, or else it's just going to be a clusterfuck for a lot of people. They will do a point. They'll spend the bulk of. I don't know if they're going to go through Kenta's whole WWE. Uh, run, no, but, not that, but just like just un they don't even unpack simple shit sometimes. Well, so. they do expect their fans to know a little bit about that kind of stuff because I mean, the Bullet Club is what. The elite jumped out of, but there's other fans since that started, and they need to acknowledge that. Yep. It's not all the dudes that watch BT, you know. It's not hard. And even you, you watch BT every week, but you would still need to be filled oh, in on sure. this. Oh, for sure. That's why I'm saying it. Hell yeah. And speaking for anybody who's listening who's in the same boat, yeah, no, absolutely, man. Yeah, because they need to explain that stuff to me, because I'm not going to go back and watch that shit. <laughs> it was still way better than what I saw of the Rumble this weekend, so. Oh, uh, um, yeah, I do, yeah. Sorry, well, we got, I think, a couple more weeks to uh, Revolution, or like a month, actually, still. Yep. So we'll see. I think the next couple shows may be a little rough, because there's not going to be a whole lot of direction, because we still got a little bit to Revolution, and things are already kind of set. But, um, hey, we'll be there next week. Yep. So, uh, Tony, you got any parting words? Uh, everybody be safe, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, I'm Nick, that's Tony, and for Tuffering with Nick and Tony, we will see you next week. Later.